2: Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast, I'm Amy Stevenson We're joined by Rebecca Howard today Rebecca represents Team Canada in eventing She came 10th overall at Rio in the 2016 Olympics And she was the top female rider So Rebecca's going to share with us her journey with her horses And she's going to give us loads of advice And on top of that, she's just a really, really nice person This is Horse Hour Today she came 10th at Rio and she is the top female rider in the whole of the world. Rebecca Howard, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for for joining us on the Horse Hour podcast. So, um, I'm super excited to be speaking to you because we met, gosh, quite a while ago now. It was uh, probably about 12 months ago when you had first moved over to Lucinda Frederick's yard. Yes, yes. I've been there
1: since March now, I guess. So,
2: coming up on a a year anniversary. (laughs) Really exciting. And, And what was it like? Let's take everybody through the beginning of... Of when you first moved over, because you've been with the Canadian world class, you've been with the Canadian high performance event program for years and years. And originally you lived in America, didn't you? But then you came over to the UK. What made you move over here?
1: Yeah, I was, um, well, I grew up in the west coast of Canada, and then I was in the east coast of the United States for quite a few years, um, pushing on 10 years, really. And then I did, um, compete at the London Games and use that as an excuse to, um, make the move, uh, over the pond. And stay here. And really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it was really just to come and base in the mecca of the sport. Um, I was just ki- wanting to up my training and, and really delve into, um, The top of the sport and be here where all the competitions and the riders hang out. So we we stayed yeah
2: it's really nice that you know you consider the uk to be top of the sport and and the training and and i've noticed through through doing these podcasts that more and more riders are basing themselves over here quite honestly i don't know why because it's miserable (laughs) and it's cold (laughs) and and when i look at canada i think oh my goodness it's such an amazing place to live and you've got all this land and it's free and and but but more people are actually basing themselves over here
1: yeah I think it's just accessibility to the majority of competitions, you know it, it, yes, it is cold, <laughs> um, but um. Oh, it's really us that minds the cold more than the horses. Uh, I think the horses do, <laughs> and I would be one of those. I am pretty pathetic, to be honest. I um, I I do um, I do uh, feel the cold for sure. It's not very fun. I do miss my Florida winters. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, my the uh, the horses do well here, and um. And, yes, as you said, there's just you've got so many nations that are now um, based based here, and um so you're competing against um certainly the top riders on a weekly basis, and then you've just got accessibility to all the great competitions here in England as well as um easy access to the continent and Ireland mm. and yeah, where i mean there's a great' there's lots of great things happening in America, but you're you have to get on a plane to take part Mm. on, uh, you know, to, to really compete with the rest of the world. And that's just such an ordeal and an expense. Um, and, um, over here competing alongside those guys is just an everyday thing. So yes, it made certainly made sense to wanted to be in the pool with all the top riders that this is this is the place to be for sure
2: well you quite honestly you're, you're already there because you know you've only been here 10 months and you were straight over to the olympics in rio what was that for you what was that like for you well rio was
1: i mean yeah rio was was great as i did i i was at london and it didn't go so well and then um, just really the last four years have been quite a, um, uh, quite a study and lots of cer- certainly some good good successes in the last four years and some downs for sure. And um, it really we worked really hard for it to all come together at Rio. And for the most part, for the most part, it did. And that was really satisfying for sure.
2: So you mentioned London then. Was that the first time that you've competed at, at an Olympics? Yeah, So would you say that was more of a, almost like a learning experience of taking it all in and, and, and the environment and the people and, and I guess the pressure too, and then you could take that experience and you almost know what to expect when you're then heading to Rio, don't you?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and, um, yeah, London was my first time competing over, overseas. I had... So it was it was all new. Well, I had done the Pan American Games, um, so that took that took me to uh, Mexico. But but, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but London was the first time I had um, even you know put a horse on a plane and and competed in that caliber. I did the World Games in 2010, and and that was that was. Um, a good experience and but again that was on home turf so it it it's just it's certainly a different kettle of fish altogether. and i think london really yeah i mean there's just normal nerves but really that's not what it was it's just you don't you don't know what you don't know until until you're really in the mix Mm. so it's just certainly a bit more naive i think and um just needed more experience and and in the last four years certainly have gotten a lot of that Lots of experience and some good education and some great experiences
2: and yeah, positive training and it and it did come together nicely, Rio. It all paid off, didn't it? I had my stepson with me, we were watching and to keep him quiet because he loves horses but he got a bit, you know, he got a bit bored having it on for 10 days because we had it on the TV all the time. So I said that some of my friends were riding. <laughs> i said rebecca howard's riding so when when it came to you going on and going across the cross country he was bless him cheering for you he loved it he was so excited so uh, he (laughs) thinks we're friends along with the whole of the great british team he also thinks we're friends with them so every time i say i'm going to an event he says your friend's going to be there (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) they don't actually know me but they are all my friends
1: (laughs) Yeah,
2: perfect. it perfect. was. It was really lovely to watch. Can you be really honest with us then? Because for us watching and and watching you train and go up to that moment of actually competing, what's the hardest bit of it? Um. Well, uh, it's just hardest bit is
1: just having it all come together on the day. Really, I knew. That we were very capable of um, putting in a good performance at Rio, and we had we had certainly done it done it before, and it wasn't it was I felt very prepared, and then yeah, it's just all having all the pieces come together on the day, all three phases, and I think that's really that's really the balance you're trying to prepare yourself and your horse so that you peak at the right time and um, my horse had had quite has had quite a bit of experience, and i had we knew each other very well mm. but he's a you know he's not a straightforward um, guy by any means, and so it's just about. Yeah, planning your year and just making sure he's feeling the best he can, and you've you've got him primed right to pull the trigger when
2: it's time. We don't think about all that preparation. You know, we know there's preparation that goes into it in in terms of learning how to jump and being able to pace yourself, but actually, that being able to peak and the psychology behind it is things that we're not taught. You know when we just have our horses at home and that i find so fascinating is do you have sports psychology too i do
1: well i yeah i worked quite um intensely with um somebody this past year anyway and and a little bit more in um yeah just uh i i, I don't so much struggle with you know your classical sense of nerves but just, just feeling like you're, um, in the right headspace, I think, um, mm-hmm. and just that you're, you're clear mind and you're feeling confident and you, um, trust and believe what you can do. And that's, was really so much of it for me was just to have that trust in what we had done in the past and the trust in, um, I, What I'd done in the past wasn't honestly going to be good enough, but I knew we had the ability to do better than that. So, um, yeah, just to be able to then tap into our skills that
2: we had been working so hard on. and executed on the day I like that being able to trust yourself that's really important I don't trust myself at all I have no idea what I'm doing and I can never guarantee that I'd be able to control the horse <laughs> you know, in, yeah, in, in any situation yeah. but being able to trust yourself being able to I did a very small bit of um of psychology years ago because I suffer really badly with nerves and anxiety when I'm riding and they said exactly that was that you in any situation you'll be able to handle the horse because you'll stay on no matter what it throws at you. And he said, yeah. then trust yourself, trust your mind, and trust your skills and experience. So that's yeah. a yeah. really interesting thing to learn. Yeah. Well, I think it
1: is. It's about a lot of being great as an athlete or competitor is being able to let go of so many feelings and um, emotions, really, and just tap into your knowledge and your feel with you and your horse. And I, then that's very much a, um, Yeah, you have to. You have to first of all trust and believe that you can uh, do what you're setting out to do. So yeah, that's certainly a guy that um, helps me out a bit. Um, Yeah, that that notion of trust over confidence is. a stronger sense a stronger word Mm.
2: so when you moved over then how did you work out where you were going to stay did you know where you wanted to stay or did you move the horses over first and then say someone take Mm -hmm. me in (laughs) Uh,
1: no it was that actually um it was option b Um, (laughs) i knew um i made the decision in the spring of 2012 that i was going to Hopefully, things were going to um, fall into place and I was going to go to London Games and that I was going to stay there, and that's really as far as I got. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) So I did. I packed up um, everything that would fit, and then we were over here for a good month before the Games, and we stayed at Maisie Manor um, there with Jackie Green and Catherine Burrell. So after the Games, I went back to Catherine's place at Maisie Manor, and I stayed um, with Jackie, Screen there, and uh, then she introduced me to Tim and Janelle Price, and I um I quite quickly moved over there and started uh, riding and working for you know work riding for them, um, and then ended up sort of basing out of there for mm-hmm. the last three years until I moved um, over to my. Now renting the other side of Lucinda Frederick's yard. So,
2: so do they? Do they help you? Do you all work together? So, do they help you with technique, or who are your instructors? Who helps you?
1: Well, when I was at Tim and Janelle's, certainly, at uh, uh, yes, they were very much, very much helpful. And so we were certainly in the arenas riding together every day, and they were very much help with with uh, my horse, brutal Masters, and. Yeah, if I needed help with some of the, as, uh, as the years went on, I started collecting more horses, which is ultimately why I moved on, just, um, grew out of space there mm. and time to ride theirs, basically. So, um, so yeah, no, they've been a huge influence, helpful in the tack and also helpful with, um, just advice and, and learning the ropes of maneuvering here in this country and, <laughs> you know, what come to what. Competitions to go to and mm. um, all, all sorts. So um, yeah, they've been they've been huge help.
2: Yeah, it's nice to have a bit of support. Yeah, you know, you're moving over from another country. I doubt you, you have friends and families with you. Family with you. You've got all these horses, and you're pretty much on your own. So it must yeah. be lovely to have a group of people surrounding you who know the industry, who know the country, and who know how things work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, they they were very much all of the all of what you just said, helpful in getting stuck into this country as well as they've become very dear friends. Um, oh. So yeah, no, good good people. And I was lucky to have landed
2: there. So I've, I've seen you ride. I've seen you with your horses, with the way that you handle them. And I love your, your gentle approach that you have with them. Everything's very quiet. Everything's very soft. It's quite amazing to watch. Is that a technique that, or is that a way of handling horses that you've always had that you learned at a young age, or is that something that you've picked up along the way?
1: Uh, I think that's always been my instinct: is to be certainly quiet with them and be an observer first, and then react second. Um, is tr- certainly try to implement that theory anyway and then same thing goes to when you're on the tack sort of feel what's happening first and react second um so yeah i mean the horses always um if you can have a have them definitely working with you and and happy in the way that they're going they're gonna perform the best and i say yeah and certainly
0: it's my nature i'm a if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: I'm a quieter sort and an an onlooker, so um, it's the way I apply. Hmm. I
2: apply to... um, most things that I do. <laughs> <laughs> when you were little, did you always love horses?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. My mom rode, and so, and I was the eldest, or I am the eldest of three sisters. So we um, were exposed to the horses quite early on, and I was certainly very keen from the <laughs> from the get from the get go. Mm. Yeah.
2: And what about your sisters? Did they ride? Did they end up having careers? Yeah. In it? Yeah, they.
1: I'm um, not careers, but we all rode. They all rode and competed through tell rode through tell high school and then um moved on to do other things so um yeah they're much more sensible than i (laughs) (laughs) i
2: don't know you've kept going you've got obviously got yeah yeah, i'm determined to keep going this will be successful (laughs) exactly exactly have they been able to visit you since you've been here
1: they haven't they haven't they haven't yet no i'm on their case they're um (laughs) They're busy um, raising young families right now, so yes, I haven't been able to travel yet. But um, but yeah, hopefully at some some point the sisters will make it over. The parents the parents have made some um, great visits, and so that's 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 lovely. Oh,
2: that's nice. So how many horses have you got now then?
1: I think there's um fourteen or fifteen in the yard now. So yeah, the
2: numbers are numbers are growing. Wow. Are they all yours or are they uh, some of no, them? No,
1: gosh, no. Hmm. No, only one of there are not even one three quarters of those are (laughs) mine so um and that includes some um working people's horses and some owner's horses so um but it's um no it's a good group and it's slowly slowly growing it's a big part you know it's a hard it's a hard thing to certainly when i came over here i just came it was just riddle master that got on the plane with me for america so i was just a They went from having quite a big operation in America to being a one, one pony show over here and working for other people and now slowly building up. Own base of um or a new base of horses and owners, and mm. so yeah, it's a slow, it's a slow process, but it feels like it's getting a bit of momentum, which is exciting.
2: Yeah, well, fourteen horses is is incredible. So the one horse that you came over with, you own him? Well, I own a third of him. Okay, he's still owned by um by
1: his breeders actually. So it's a it's a it's a cool story. They bred him and
2: and still are very much. Yeah, obviously his biggest fans. So, would that be your forever horse, for example? You know, at the end of his career, is it, would he stay with you, or would he go back to the breeders to retire?
1: I think that he's um, everybody's dream would be that he maybe has a couple more years hmm. at the top level, and then would um, yeah, then live out his days at his at his farm where he was bred. It's a beautiful, beautiful place in Orangeville, Ontario, and then um, Canada there, and so it would be. Yeah, I think it'd be lovely, lovely Mm. for him if he
2: returned back to to those roots. Yeah, because you've gone so far together, and we very much only have one or two horses if we're lucky, you know, we don't get to have that many. And we're extremely lucky if we have a bond with them where we keep them forever. So you're working with a lot of horses day in, day out. Do you have your own unique kind of relationship and bond with each one? I think...
1: I mean they're all different aren't they and Mm. you get to depending on what their um, what your relationship is with them and how long you are with them I think Um, well it depends on how what the bond becomes Um, you know some are just coming in certainly to produce and sell for a bit and it's so you don't have that same bond with them because just more because your time with them is shorter. Mm. But its I just think with each one that comes in the yard, it's pretty f- fun and interesting to get to know them as a person. So, and yeah, try to do right by them for even the short period of time you have them if they are on the on the short plan mm-hmm. or, um, yeah, they're also different. So certainly, like people, I think you get on or I get on with some better than others. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's uh, definitely... Um, worth trying to get to understand them all yeah
2: <laughs> but how, how lovely for the owners though to be able to give you their horse and to have you produce them and take them up to to higher levels because experienced riders and professionals like you are almost unattainable i would absolutely love if i had an eventing horse I'd love to send him to you. I don't have one. I might get one just to be able to do that. But I'd love to send him to you and say, there you go, Rebecca, do what you can, have fun, like enjoy him and and see how far you guys can go together. But there's this thought or this myth that it's totally unaffordable and you have to be mega, mega rich to be able to do that. But that's not the case, is it?
1: No, no, it's, well, it's not. I mean, there's no if ands, that's about it. It is an expensive sport for sure. Uh, horses are not cheap, but there's ways to do it uh, definitely that are more affordable. Certainly putting a group of people together or, you know, the the budgets can be certainly tailored. But yeah, that's so much of what is really fun about this job is it is yes definitely working with the horses and competing them but it it does become quite a whole a whole team effort you know the excitement that the owners and the pleasure that the owners get out of watching their horses go and when um you can produce a result for them and it's a really satisfying and exciting journey for um for all involved Mm. so you're so so it's yes you're working with the horses but you're very much having the People interaction and um, and feeling the excitement that they get out of being a very crucial part of the team uh, as an
2: owner. Oh, I'd love it. I'm a bit emotional though, so I'd I'd just be like, oh, so proud of my boy. You know, he's been so yeah. well. And <laughs> because yeah, I know so that I'm definitely. not experienced to be able to ride to that level, so sometimes you get a horse that quite often we're over horsed actually we get a horse that's really really good and has a lot of potential but we don't have the experience to be able to do the best with him so that would be great to be able to send him to you and do you give lessons too? Yeah, for sure. And that's um,
1: becoming, I'm starting to do more and more teaching. I taught a lot when I was in America. Um, that was certainly um, uh, even more of my time was spent teaching than it was competing and riding, um, or at least it was 50-50. And then moving over here, that was a big motivation as I wanted to, I just wanted to continue upping my game as a competitor. Um, so just wanted to optimize all my time in the tack, and and really have been doing that the last four years and now um, branching out as well and trying to um, develop some more um, students and do some clinics and that sort of thing. In, that would in this be country.
2: good. Yeah, it would be yeah. good to have clinics. Where are you thinking of holding those? Um, well, I've done a few at Tweezle Down throughout this winter.
1: I uh, have a few coming up in uh, January and February. Um, and then just um, some... You know, I'm teaching out of the out of, out of Lucinda's yard.
2: And then travel to a couple, a few people's private yards as well. Yeah. Oh good. Well we might need to organise a clinic then. Maybe we could have Sounds a horse good. hour clinic. I just sure, need to find sure. somewhere to put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We exactly. can invite all the horse hour listeners and um and we yeah. could have it would end up being a bit of a PIMS drinking session though, I fear. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: well you know.
2: That's yeah, it could be
1: all right. That that works too. <laughs>
2: So you just said through the winter you do your clinics and you're doing lessons. Yeah. And then at what point do you kind of get back on the horse, as they say, and start going out competing again?
1: Well, though, certainly it's um, full days, work again at the yard, that all the horses are back in work. And then the competitions will start off uh, beginning of March.
2: Oh, have you booked your first one yet? Do you know which one are you are going to? No,
1: no. Just we have started, uh, I've started um, laying out the schedules, though. So there's... um. Yeah, a couple that are going to start. That's I think the second week of March,
2: mm. and then yeah, all gets going. Are you are you aiming for badminton for Blenheim? I am.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. badminton.
2: Yeah. And which yeah. horse do you think you'd like to take there, ideally?
1: Yeah, the Riddle Master would would be aiming for badminton this year.
2: Any of your youngsters that are coming through that you're producing? There's a couple that um,
1: hopefully. We um, might make a trip to Tats with um, a couple in the one-star, a couple in the two-star. And um, yeah, then see what those ones end up doing. They're still... Yeah, I've got a bit of a gap between Riddle Master and the next bunch. So hopefully, there'll be a few that get their two-star miles in next year.
2: And then the following year, hopefully, I've got a few more back up at three-star. Oh, wow. Does it get difficult sometimes when you, you, you're you at home? And are there any times when you'll be competing against Lucinda? Because that would be quite awkward, wouldn't it? If you're training together, you'd be like looking at each other over the fence, going, oh, what's she doing? <laughs>
1: no, it's not awkward at all, actually. It's, um, it's the same as at Tim and Janelle's. I mean, healthy competition is always good. Mm. It's what pushes you, certainly, to keep upping your own game. And so that's what's really nice about riding and... Uh, alongside other great professionals on a daily basis and then at the competitions yeah you just probably be kind of we're certainly just uh everybody's doing their uh their
2: own individual horses and and you just yeah you wish them well for sure but it is a lovely it is a really lovely part of the industry is yeah. that how supportive everybody is and i you know this end is an extremely a supportive and lovely lovely lady so she'd only want to help and and wish you well but even as you go into as you get to badminton as you go to blenheim and you're in these huge environments with people from all over the world out the back where they're all having a chat afterwards and they're probably a little bit stressed after their run or before their run there's so much kindness out there for everybody that's what's so lovely and they're all watching you know because they always have a big screen and they're all watching each other's run as well as i guess your you're learning from what somebody else's run has gone like and you're picking up tips but they genuinely want everybody to get around safely, which is nice. Yeah, no, I think that's a big part of it. You know, it's
1: there's a lot of a lot of um, camaraderie in the warm up arenas and people certainly giving advice to one another and chatting about how the courses are riding and so, I mean don't get me wrong, it's the most competitive group of people you'll ever meet as well. But it's uh, <laughs> The amount of support you receive from um, fellow competitors is, I think, pretty unique to our sport as mm. well.
2: So, how are you going to be preparing for this year? Then, are there any uh, any particular things that you're doing at home, or like, I don't know, poles or pacing, or <laughs>
1: <laughs> any tips you can give us? <laughs> Well, this time of year is very much just knocking off rust on, in some aspects, but it's, but on it, and lots of it's just good solid training. It's a good time to, cause we aren't on the road out competing now. So it's really, it's really valuable time for the younger, greener horses. So it's a pretty intense education time fine this time of year. And then, um, and then just trying to keep improving along the more experienced horses. Yeah. Lots of cool work at home. Just get, they're all just getting fit enough now, really. They'll start um, going out and doing some more jumping days and um, some dressage lessons and yeah, get properly properly going again. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, well, I wish you the best of luck for this season. I think it's going to be really exciting to see you, and I think we're really lucky to be able to go to competitions in the UK and actually watch you and I can't wait to watch you from the beginning of the season to then the end of the season because I feel everybody improves throughout that time. As a natural, you know, it's a natural progression, yeah. isn't it? Because you've all yeah. ones had the horses have had the winter off. Yeah. But we can also pick up loads of tips by going and watching you in the warm-up arena. And I love it.
1: For sure. Well, good. <laughs> well, we hope to, hope to see you out there. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: so how can we follow you? Are you on Twitter?
1: Our Howardy
2: quest. Oh, Howard Equest. Okay. So that's your Twitter handle. You're on Facebook. You're on Instagram. Yes. So we can follow your journey. Thanks so much for joining us, Rebecca. See you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. So, next week you can hear infectious diseases. We're talking about strangles with BMW Equine Vets. Chris joins us and he's going to explain everything about those awful diseases that we hear about but we don't know enough about. I quite often hear about strangles, and, you know, local yards are saying that there's government policies that you have to adhere to if you ever think that you've got strangles or you ever think that one of your horses might. And also, if you hear of a horse, you're not allowed to go anywhere near it if it's got an infectious disease. But what exactly are these diseases? How dangerous are they? How can we avoid them? And how do we treat them? So Chris is going to explain all about those. We've also got loads of information on our website. If you head to horsehour.co.uk, there's some great videos on there from the British Equestrian Trade Association. I caught up with Sophie Wells, an amazing Paralympian. I went to the Champion Hat Stand and we've got some advice from Grenville on hat fitting and how you need to make sure that your, your hat is actually fitting correctly because otherwise it could cause you more damage and also when do you need to change your hats so that's all on our website horsehour.co.uk don't forget to tag us as always in your photos and videos i'm at amy stevenson one horse hours at horse hour and i hope you have a really good week and i'll speak to you soon
1: you've been listening to horse hour Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and PlayerFM.